Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Okay, so good morning, everyone. Morning. My name is Tim, and we are in this series at the moment called Starting Over, and it's all about how we can live a life beyond regret. And today, we're going to look at how God takes our story of regret, takes your story of regret, and turns it into a story of redemption. Now, redemption is not probably a word that we hear every single day, um, and it probably sounds maybe a little bit religious, but if you look it up in the Oxford English Dictionary, it says, um, it is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Now, that's a very theological focus, and it's important, and I'll come back to it at the end. But actually, the word redemption comes from a Latin word, redimir, which literally means to buy back. So imagine you fall on hard times, and you take your guitar or your bike or your wedding ring down to a pawn shop, um, and you give it in and you get cash, when you eventually get the money back, if you go back to buy that thing back, that is called paying the price of redemption. Okay, And when the Bible uses this word redeem or redemption, it's really linked to this idea of rescue, or even the, the idea of something good being brought out of something which is really bad. So in Japan, there is a form of art called kinsukuroi. There's no way I pronounced that right. But it means golden repair, okay? And it's the art of restoring pottery with gold so that the fractures, instead of hiding them and masking them, they're actually illuminated. And the artists believe that when something has suffered damage, when it has a history, it actually becomes more beautiful. Isn't that amazing? And I really think that's an amazing picture of what God is like with us. Yeah? And redemption means that if we allow God to take our past, even our most broken, most vulnerable, hurting places, our greatest pains or regrets, he can take them and use them for our good and for his glory. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So the Apostle Paul, who persecuted Christians and even had them killed, had plenty of brokenness to look back on his life. Okay. But he had an encounter with the living God, the resurrected Jesus, and he had an experience of what it meant to be redeemed and to find redemption for his life. And so later, he was able to write to us and to encourage millions and even billions of people with these verses. And they're going to come up on the screen, and I'd love you if you could, I'd love it if you could say it with me. (laughs) I do love you, but that's a different story. Okay, so, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know, do we know that today? Yeah, that in how many things? All things. That's good news because all things happen to us, don't they? Yeah, whether we are Christians or not Christians, it doesn't really matter. All things happen to us, good things and bad things. And so Paul's writing about a world, he's writing this and he's talking in this passage about a world that is burdened with sin and decay and evil and even death. Because Paul knows that terrible things happen to people who love God. But he carries on and he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good. 
Now, I love that he doesn't say everything happens for a reason. And he doesn't say things work out okay, so don't worry. Because they don't work out okay by themselves. But if anything good happens for us, if good things come out of a broken place, the Bible says it's because it is God who is our heavenly father who loves us, who is working these things together for our good. That's who he is and what he's done. So whatever that thing is that you've been through or are going through or will go through, this amazing truth never changes. God can take your worst regrets and use them for good so that even in your worst moments, God can do, be there and do his greatest work. When we're at our lowest, God works deepest. And he wants to take us from that place of regret to redemption today. Now, I've experienced this in my own life in so many different ways. And one, one in particular is, is alcohol used to be a real kind of a problem in my life. And it started at university, especially when I got involved with, uh, very involved with the university rugby club and then later working in sales. Now, I loved having a few beers as much as the next person. But the decisions that I made when I was drunk ultimately meant the breakdown of a long-term relationship. And it became my way of dealing with that regret and dealing with the stress of my work. Now, I wasn't drinking every day, but I would hit it really hard at the weekend. And I got into this cycle of regret and longing for things to change. But in myself, I was powerless to change. And I couldn't do anything about it. But then Jesus came into my life and everything changed. And I remember about a month after I became a Christian... Um, I was reading the Bible and every day these verses kept coming up about how destructive alcohol is. And I was like, oh my goodness, God, what are you saying? <laughs> and then one morning I was on the way to work on the tube and it was almost like the faintest whisper. God spoke to me and he said, Tim, if you don't let go of this, if you don't release this to me, you'll never know the plan that I've got for your life. And I was like, okay, okay. And I had absolutely no idea how God was going to break me out. No idea. But I just said, by, with your strength, okay. Now, the interesting thing was that that weekend coming was my best friend, Stagdu, who I lived with. Okay, 26 lads, four nights. Okay, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this weekend, but by your grace, I am not going to drink. And it was horrendous, okay? <laughs> it was so bad. But, and by the end of the weekend, I was thinking, God, what was the point of all of this? They've just been teasing me all weekend about being a Bible basher. What is this about? And at the end of the weekend, one of the lads said to me, Tim, is it true you weren't drinking all weekend? And I said, yeah, it's true. And I was, I was waiting for a joke, but he didn't say anything. He said, why? And on that last night, I was able to share with him the incredible love that I had found in Jesus. Yeah? And I remember walking, and nothing, it wasn't like, you know, the glory of the Lord appeared and angels started blowing trumpets, but I remember walking back to, the, to our little boats that we were staying in, and I had this incredible joy and lightness. And you knew that God had helped me to release the regret and that he was going to start a work of redeeming it by helping other people find the love of Jesus. And that just gave me great hope. So in this series, we've been learning about a man who has a story of regret. David, the king of Israel. Now he was in a place of obscurity and God raised him up. And picked him out for a great purpose. And we read these incredible stories about slaying giants and these incredible victories and how eventually he was crowned king. But we've seen the regret in his life. Because one of the things that he did do is he had an affair with a woman called Bathsheba. And she was the wife of another soldier. And when she became pregnant, in order to try and cover it all up, David ended up having her husband killed. 
and then to make it worse, the baby died. And as you read it, it is just the most awful, the most devastating, heart-rending, painful tragedy. And with too many friends, I've seen the pain of a loss of a child. And when I think about this story, the crushing weight of it, it just hits me all over again. And I'll come back to that later, but I know that it's such a hard thing for so many people. Now, we've seen in this series that all that we have to do is to live long enough in this fallen world to know that we will have regrets. And roughly, we can divide them up into three categories. And the first is regrets of action. These are the things when we willfully and intentionally do and say that afterwards we think, oh, what was I doing? Or it might be the regrets of inaction, the things that we uh, fail to do, the good things that we fail to do. It may be um, an opportunity that we've missed or time that has been wasted or words unspoken. Maybe it's a time we didn't say thank you or a time we didn't say sorry or a time we didn't say well done. But there's also regrets of reaction when one of those terrible things, one of those all things happens to us or people that we love and care about. And these regrets can leave us stuck in a sorry cycle, moving from longing to regret. But the good news is that in this series, we have been looking at how we can actually break out of those cycles in three ways, by three steps. And the first one we looked at a few weeks ago was to recognise our regret, to not ignore it, to not push it down, not to squash it or hide it because it will come back but actually instead to acknowledge it before God and before others. The second step is to release your regret. We can't move forward until we've let go. And the third step today, and this could be one of the hardest ones for us, but God has us here today because I really believe that he wants to speak to us and wants us to live a regret-free life. And that happens when we let him to redeem our regrets. So, how does that happen? Well, David, he was heartbroken after the death of his child. But you can see too that he knew God and that he believed in the resurrection and that his child was alive now, but he was, it was with Jesus. And I know that it's so hard and it doesn't change the pain, but actually there is no other belief system that gives us that hope. There is no other God that gives us that hope. And when people in that palace came to comfort David about the loss of his son, he said these words, these words, someday I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. And then he went to comfort Bathsheba. And I love that heartbroken honesty was all part of David recognising and releasing his regret to God because whenever tragedy strikes, we have a choice. We can either shake our fists and be angry with God or open up our hands and ask for help. Now, the worst thing we could do when someone's experienced tragedy is just to quote Romans 8.28 at them and go, it will all be better. There is a time and a place, but that isn't it. And when someone we know is suffering or in pain, the best thing that we can do is to go to them and do what David did, which is simply to comfort them and offer any comfort that we're able to. Now, as we read on, we see that Bathsheba did get pregnant again. Now, we don't know how long after, but what we do know is that this child would never replace the first child. But when the child was born, it says that David called him Solomon, which means God's peace. In this situation, 
David is finding peace. And then we notice that God sent a prophet, Nathaniel, with a message. And he says, I have a special name for this child. And his name is Jedidiah, which means God's beloved. So God is working here, redeeming God's, uh, David's regrets. And even later, many, many years later, when Solomon ended up succeeding David as king, he became a great king. And under his reign, Israel experienced a peace that it had never known before. Never known when David is in charge. And ultimately, and most importantly, though David had other wives and children, it was through the line of Solomon that we have come to have Jesus. And so he wants to do that with us today. Whatever the background, whatever the story, he's got a future hope for you. He'll redeem your regrets if we ask him. God knows the pain of all things that we go through. And I love this promise in 2 Corinthians 1, and he says, it says this, he's able to comfort us as we go through them so that one day we will be able to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. And that's a terrible, painful thing, regret. And the fact that we go through, through things that are, is painful is awful, but people with broken hearts can help mend other broken hearts. And it's like that Japanese pottery. <laughs> The gold is the broken the gold is what holds the broken bits together. But only if we offer it to God, just as we are to be used for his purposes. So next week, on the first of October, we're going to be having our first service in the Students' Union at Manchester University. And I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. Okay. Now if I look back at my time at university, I don't know what it was like for you if you did go. I, yes, I had a great time and I got a great degree, but actually I have regrets from my time at university. Regrets of action, regrets of inaction, regrets of reaction that did put me in sorry cycles that lasted for a very long time, years afterwards. And I wonder, if you went to university, what does it look like if you look back and consider what maybe you would have done differently? Now, university can be such a hard time. It is definitely a time when all things happen. And this week, as Ollie was saying, our team have been out uh, on the campus every night, talking to students, praying with students, sharing the hope of Jesus with them for all kinds of different things. Fear of not fitting in or not being accepted. Fear of loneliness, fear of failure, fear that leads to all kinds of regret. And I am so excited because in this new season, we have an incredible opportunity to help students come to find a different way, a way, the way of Jesus who not only is able to redeem our regrets, but is able and died for giving us life and life in all its fullness. The life that he planned for us. And the need is absolutely vast, because even in Owens Park, where we've been this week, it's three and a half thousand first-year students, but the city holds 90,000 students. It's huge. It's absolutely vast. And when we're going, so when we're going to the academy, it's going to be all hands on deck. Because it's been so exciting to see people responding, to see students responding, and to see students in this last year come to faith and to baptise them here was just the most incredible experience. But that was five people. And we have just scratched the surface of what God wants to do in our universities in this city. So when we go, it's going to be all hands on deck. And we need everyone to come. We need you. And it won't necessarily be for everyone, but I'd love for you to ask yourself, would, would you join us? Ivy Academy will not just be a church for students. I think that's important that I say that. 
we are a church, we are a family that is moving house so that we can help more students find their way back to God, but anyone, ultimately. We are a family on mission. And if in a family, it takes everyone to raise children, not just brothers and sisters. Yeah? So yes, older brothers and sisters can help them, younger, the younger ones, to walk, to make good decisions, to learn from mistakes. But actually, it's those of you that come with a maturity and life experience and a different perspective who are able to guide and encourage and comfort and give a long, longer-term view. So Ollie and I met up with one of the families this week. And they were reflecting on their time at university and they said that actually it was the older people who came alongside them in those years that was so formational and foundational for their time at university, pretty much more so than anything else. So I'd love to say to you, to think and ask yourself, would you be the sort of person who would come with us and get alongside a student who has recently come to faith or might be struggling with something? We need you. Now, maybe you're in a position where your children have recently left home, or even they left home a long time ago, and you're wondering what next, what can we do, how can we get involved? Now, you might not be able to come out late at night and do stuff on campus till two in the morning. To be honest, my ability to do that is diminishing very fast. <laughs> but could you get alongside a student in the church? Could you invite students into your home? Could you run an alpha course in your home? These are so many opportunities. There are going to be so many opportunities. Now is the time. Now as we go through all of these changes here. That's not to say that there won't be great things happening here in Disbury. I'm so excited that for a church to be established here and to reach out to the community all around, the students and the families that are here. But whatever it is, wherever you go, I just want to really encourage you to pray and to ask God and to say, where do you want me to be? So tomorrow night, we are having a night of prayer and worship in the Academy 3. We're so excited. We're going to be meeting at 7.30 in the Students' Union. Um, but if you can't make it, uh, then we will be there at 10.45 next week and for many, many years after that, I pray. Okay? And actually, maybe this is how God can redeem the regrets that you have from university. I know that I'm so passionate about helping students to find that, to see that actually there's another way of going through university that is a blessing in their own lives, but that through them, God would bless others and help more people find their way back to God. And actually, we see a change in our culture, a change in our generation, where actually people are talking about Jesus in the right way and not as a byword. Okay, so will you let God do his work through you? And just like that image of that pottery, it starts when we offer up those broken pieces of our lives and we put them in his hands and we see what he does with them. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says, he makes all things beautiful in its time. And sometimes that takes a long time. And it might not be a quick fix, but we'd love to pray with you and stand with you today. Now, the regret might be a messed up relationship. It might be financial difficulty. It might be a failed business venture of some kind. Or it might be something else. And actually, in the middle of that, you're going through the consequences of that now, and it's really hard. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years. But what I love is that on every single page of the Bible are people who waited, some for a long time, but God worked all things for their good. And actually, time doesn't heal all things. But we know a healer. We know a God who knows pain because he felt it. We even know a God who knows what it was to lose a son. Because that was the ultimate bad thing that happened. 
that God came to became one of us and we nailed him to a cross. But even that evil, he turned it for good and he raised Jesus from the dead. Praise God so that we could have life and life in all its fullness because he worked that for good for us. For you, for me, there is a redeemer. His name is Jesus. He is God's own son. I'd like to invite the band to come up. And I'd love us, if we could stand if you're able. I just want to take a moment just to pray and ask God to speak to us. So why don't we just hold out our hands? Not too far, because it depends how much space you've got. But, and just close your eyes and just, just ask God to speak to you. Maybe there's something that he's highlighting that's come up. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us, Jesus. Thank you that you want to take our broken parts and make them whole. And it's your great work in us and you long to do it. To transform us from glory to glory and make us more like you. So this morning, God is giving us a choice. When it comes to our regrets, either we can hold on to them or we can start over. Are you ready to start over? And if you are, then in a minute, I'd love to ask you to put up a hand. And if you're here this morning and you want to say, maybe for the first time, or the first time for a particular situation, you want to say, in this area of my life, or with my whole life, actually, I want to start over and I want you to come into this situation or I want you to come into my life. And if you're ready to recognise, to release, and to allow God to redeem your regrets, then in a moment I'd love to ask you to put up a hand to start that journey of living life beyond regret. So if that's you this morning and you would like to ask God to come into whatever it is, maybe it's inviting Jesus into your life for the first time to do an amazing work of transformation and to bring new life and freedom beyond regret. Or maybe it's a particular situation that's been on your heart as I've been speaking. And I'd love to, to invite you to pop a hand now and we'll pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you that you are the God who wants to redeem our regrets, who wants to make us beautiful for our good and for your glory. And for those 
uh, that have put their hands up here this morning. I just pray, Father, that you pour your love into those situations, into, the, into their lives, Lord. And they would know your amazing, transforming love. And that your light would shine in those places that are dark. And you bring new life, Jesus, in your time. And I pray, Father, for peace in the waiting. And I thank you for your incredible love, your incredible goodness to us, for your kindness and compassion. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.